Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one and with the reading from verses sixteen through twenty-one. And it reads For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Truth is one thing that is difficult to find these days. Many people do not believe that there is absolute truth. In fact, people do not want absolute truth because they don't want to be wrong. For that reason, they hate absolute truth. So you will hear people saying things like, Your truth is not my truth, or believe your truth, and I will believe my truth. But then, we know that there are also different cultures and different religions. All of them teach different things, but all of them claim to possess the truth. And all of them compromise and say, we accept other truth. However, we Christians believe that there is absolute truth. It is not about my truth, it is not about your truth, but it is about the truth, which is God's truth. We find that truth in the scriptures, or what we know as the Bible. As we gather every week, we preach the scriptures, we sing the scriptures, we pray the scriptures, and that is because we believe the scriptures. As a church, the Bible is our authority. As individuals, the Bible should be our authority as well. Today, the book of Peter will help us understand why the scripture is the absolute authority and then why the scripture is truth as well. So by looking at 2 Peter 1 verse 16 to 21, I want us to see three points on why we should trust the scriptures. We should trust the scriptures because one it was written by eyewitnesses, verses 16 to 17. Two, it is greater and reliable than any experience, verses 18 and 19. Three, it comes from God, verses 20 and 21. The book of Second Peter is known as Peter's farewell text. He wrote this letter knowing that he was going to die as we see in verse 14. 
Peter started by showing believers that in his divine power, God has provided everything that they need to live a godly life. Believers are participants of God's own life, having escaped the corruption of this world. He encourages them to grow by showing them how correct conduct must foster correct belief. In doing that, he mentioned few qualities that believers should aim for, even as they wait for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1, verse 5 to 7 says, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. He then assures them that if they practice these qualities, they will be fruitful in their Christian walk. Peter wants them to remember these truths even after his death. He wants these truths to outlive him. Then from verse 16, he talks about the reliability of the Christian message or of our Christian faith, which is our focus today. We must trust the scripture because it was written by eyewitnesses. Peter starts by showing us what the scripture is not. He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths. The scripture is not a myth. Myths were false stories, mostly about false pagan gods. They were fabricated cleverly, and their purpose was mainly to explain natural events and to justify other religious beliefs. Myth had no historical evidence and were not based on facts. There were other myths that came out of good intention. Not because they were true, but because they were, their aim was just to promote good behavior. So while myth predominantly focused on pagan gods, there were those who had good intention to promote good behavior. Whatever the case may be, Peter says scripture is not like these cleverly devised myths. Scripture is based on historical fact. When he and others were proclaiming the power and the coming of the Lord, they were not following these traditional myths. Unlike the authors of myths, they were not telling baseless stories. Peter says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Now, that is a huge claim to me. In the ancient world, eyewitness testimony was important in establishing a case historically and legally. It was an immense responsibility to be a witness. To claim to be a witness, it was not an easy thing. It was a huge claim to make. Let's look at a few examples from the Old Testament. Witnesses were responsible for laying a charge or even for stating a case. Moses told Israelites, in, in, in Deuteronomy 19, verse 17, only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. If someone was involved in the case that resulted in death, a witness was the one who was supposed to throw the first stone. Deuteronomy 17, verse 7 says, The hand of the witness shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all people. Witnesses had to be honest or else they were going to face punishment. Proverbs 19 verse 9 says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. For justice's sake, it was compulsory for a witness to testify. 
Leviticus 5 verse 1 says, If anyone sins in that he hears a public adjuration to testify, and though he is a witness, whether he has sinned or come to know the matter, yet does not speak, he shall bear his iniquity. Now, Peter and other apostles were Jews who knew all these responsibilities. They knew how faithful the witness was supposed to be. Hence, they were faithful when they were teaching the word of Christ. They knew how compulsory it was for a witness to testify, especially in matters involving justice. And for that reason, they testify about the justice of God. They knew how dangerous it was for a witness to tell lies. Hence, they stick to the truth, even when it costed their lives. Writing to people who knew the Old Testament, people who could easily investigate his claim, Peter says, I am an eyewitness. What makes this exceptional is that he is not just claiming to be a witness in matters involving human, but he is claiming to be a witness of the greatest person who ever lived, Jesus Christ. Beloved, we know his testimony is true. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and even Paul, they validate his claim. So we know that it is true. Verse 17 says, When Jesus received honor and glory from God, and when the Father said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, Peter was there. What does that mean? My brothers and sisters, this is not a small thing. As you are sitting there, looking at your Bible, you have the words of Christ written by people who saw Christ, people who also became witnesses of Christ because they were sent by Christ. That is not a small thing. You have a message from the eyewitnesses. This is not a hearsay. It is one thing that made Christianity different. Listen to what John says. 1 John 1, verse 1 to 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. In other words, John says, the creator of all, the fountain of life, the giver of eternal life was manifested to us. He says, we heard him and we saw him and we touched him and we looked upon him. Now we proclaim him to you. That is what John says. The scripture was written by eyewitnesses, people who really saw Jesus. Peter and other apostles were willing to die for this truth. In fact, they even died for this truth. They were not willing to deny it. They couldn't keep quiet because they knew what they saw. They knew that they saw Jesus Christ. So they stick to this truth. I read that in 1972, one of the greatest political crimes known as the Watergate scandal was uncovered. The president of America at that time, Richard Nixon, was involved in this political crime. And he later became the only American president to resign. So the Watergate scandal was basically a, a, a bugging incident that originated from a massive campaign of political spying and sabotaging political 
opponents. It was conducted on behalf of this president, uh, Nixon, because he wanted to be re-elected. So it involved the high of it involved the high officials of the of the White House. So many powerful men were involved in this crime, but then their plan fell apart when five men were caught in the act of burglary. And when their plan became when their plan became public, each man started defending himself and he forgot about everyone else. One guy called Charles Colson was also involved in the scandal. So he was arrested like others, but he later became a Christian and founded what we know today as Prisons Fellowship. Talking about the resurrection, this ex-convict who became a Christian, he said, I know the resurrection is a fact. And Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed the truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it went true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. This man, who was also an attorney, was involved in one of the greatest scandals of the 20th century. He saw powerful and wise men crumbling instead of keeping and sticking to the truth. They would have kept them in power and safe. But when he looked to the testimony of weak men like Peter, men who were willing to die for their truth, he became so sure that the scripture is true. He became so sure that indeed these men were eyewitnesses of Christ. Brethren, what we have is true. And what we have is the scripture. Brethren, we know that from the onset, the writers were killed. Their message was ridiculed. Christianity was questioned. But the scripture has always enjoyed. That is because Peter and other apostles were not following cleverly devised me. They had a choice to just add Christ to whatever pagan gods were there. Because in the Greco-Roman world, what they only wanted is for them to add Christ to the host of other gods. But they kept to the exclusivity of Christ because they knew that their message was true. They knew what they saw. We must believe the scripture. We must trust the scripture because it comes from eyewitnesses. Now, having seen the testimony of eyewitness, how it helps us to trust the scripture, we move to our second point. We must trust the scripture because it is greater and more reliable than experience. In verse 18, Peter says, We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. Luke tells us about the sensational event that happened at the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus went up with Peter, James, and John to pray. Luke 9 verse 29 says, And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men talking with him, Moses and Eliah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which was about to be accomplished at Jerusalem. Verse 35 says, And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. 
Now, this portion tells us that Peter saw, saw a glimpse of a glorified Jesus. Not only that, but he also heard a voice coming from heaven. A voice that commanded them to listen to Jesus. As glorious as this experience was, it was not the only experience that Peter had. It was not an isolated experience. Let's look at a few other experiences that he had. Jesus healed a man with a withered hand. Matthew 12, verse 13. Jesus feeds over 5,000 people. Matthew 14, verse 21. Jesus walks on water. Matthew 14, verse 25. Jesus raises Lazarus from death. John 11, verse 43. Jesus ascends to heaven. Acts 1, verse 19. Lastly, the apostles received the Holy Spirit. Acts 2. Now, these are all great experiences. And there are more. But something that you have to note here is that when all of these experiences happened, Peter was there. Peter saw them all. So with all this experience, I expect Peter to say, guys, you will never reach this level of experience that I have. Because of God's grace, I've experienced greater things. The only thing you should do is just to listen to me because I've seen it all. But that is not what Peter says. Look at what Peter says. Verse 19, he says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. King James Version says, we have also a more sure word. Talking mostly about the Old Testament, which is the scripture they had at the time, Peter says, you need nothing more. The word that you have is completely reliable and it is absolutely dependable. God has never said dreams are more sure. God has never said miracles are more sure. God has never said experiences are more sure. But God said his word is more sure. This is what Peter says here. Not only the Testament, the Old Testament, which Peter was referring to, but also the New Testament, which was written by the, the, the eyewitnesses and their associates. They are more sure. In a generation that is hungry for miracles, in a generation that is hungry for the so-called encounters, a generation that thinks angelic visitation would make a, a tremendous difference in their faith. I want to remind you that what you have is enough. And what you have is the scripture. This is what we have. We have the scriptures. It is, the great, it is greater than experience. The scripture is greater than any experience. We as a church need the scripture more than any experience we can think of. The scripture tells us what kind of a church we should be. The scripture tells us what should be the message of our church. The scripture tells us what kind of leaders we should have. Now, the difference between non-biblical churches and biblical churches is that non-biblical churches will tell you about what works for them. But the biblical church will tell you about what the scripture says. That is the kind of a church we should be. We should be a church that sticks to the truth. And that truth is only found in the scripture. Because the scripture is better than experience. As Jesus was dealing with religious group, with a lot of religious experiences, he kept on taking them back to the scriptures. When the Pharisees complained that the disciples of Jesus were plucking grain on the Sabbath, Jesus said, have you not read? And then he pointed them to 1 Samuel 21, verse 6, and Numbers 28, verse 8. 
Again, since divorce was prevalent in those days, they came to him and tested him, asking whether it was lawful for men to divorce his wife for any reason. But Jesus again said, have you not read? Then he took them to the creation account, showing them that God's design for marriage is one man, one woman for life. He showed them that in the scripture. Jesus quoted the scripture. Whenever they came to him with their experiences, Jesus showed them the scripture. Beloved, our addiction to our experiences only leads to pride. But our meditation to the scriptures leads us to Christ. That is why we must desire the scriptures. The scripture is all we need. And the scripture is all we have. In fact, when we look at the scriptures, Jesus' ministry was the fulfillment of the scriptures. Looking at Luke 4, 18, Jesus quoted Isaiah 61, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord. And then in verse 21, he says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Hanging on the cross, he repeats David's words of Psalm 22. He says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The writer of Hebrews ascribes the word of Psalm 40 to Jesus. Hebrews 10 verse 7 said, Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. In Matthew 12, the scribes and Pharisees were looking for signs and experiences. Look at what Jesus said. Matthew 12, verse 39. He said, An evil and adulterous generation seek for sign, but no sign will be given to it. Except what? He says, Except the sign or the sign of the prophet Jonah. Instead of looking for experiences and signs, Jesus said, look to the book of Jonah. Look to the scripture. That is the only sign that God will give you. God has given you the scripture. Therefore, look to the scriptures. In Luke 16, Jesus tells a parable of Lazarus and the rich man. What we see there is that in Hades, the rich man wants Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his brothers. He thought the experience of being warned by someone who came from the dead would make a difference. But what did Abraham say? He said, they have Moses and prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, he said, go and read the written account of Moses and the written account of the prophets, which is the scripture. That is all you need. You don't need someone coming from the dead to teach you or to preach to you that Christ is the Lord. You only need the scriptures. Because what you have is the scriptures, and the scriptures are enough. In all this, we see one thing. That is, the scripture is enough. Because the scripture is enough, Peter goes on to say, you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Peter tells them to pay attention to this prophetic word called the scripture as he compares it to a lamp that shines in a dark place. By pay attention, Peter means devote your thoughts and effort to the scriptures. He means cleave to this truth, which is the scripture. 
Beloved, we live in the world that is full of darkness. We live in the world that is full of deception. We live in the world that believes that any experience is greater. But we know that we have the scriptures. And the scriptures are greater than experience. But not only that, we also know that the scriptures are more reliable than experience. Only the scriptures shows us what is the problem in the world or what is wrong with humanity. You can only find that in the scriptures. Romans 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is the problem of humanity. You can only find that in the scriptures. Only the scriptures can give you an accurate diagnosis of a human heart. Ask any other ordinary person. They will tell you that I have a beautiful heart. I am kind. I am loving. But go to the scripture. It will show you how the heart of man is. Look at the scripture. It will say the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17 verse 9. While many claim to be good people, look at what the scripture says. The scripture says, all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of herbs is under their lips. Romans 3 verse 12 verse 13. But the good news is that it doesn't only show us the problem. The scripture also points us to the solution. While people think we need behavioral modification, but truth is we need the gospel. We need the scriptures. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Or how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Psalm 119 verse 9. Brothers and sisters, you will never know who you are until you know the scriptures. And you will never know what God wants you to be until you submit to the doctrine of the scripture. With all their experiences, time and again, people have failed to identify and deal with the real problem in the world. They think we have a political problem or a social problem or a cultural problem. However, in the first three chapters of the scripture, we see that we have a sin problem and the rest of the scripture provides a gospel solution. The scripture is more reliable. Martin Luther said, from the beginning of my reformation, I have asked God to send me neither dreams, no visions, no angels, but to give me the right understanding of his word, the Holy Scriptures. For as long as I have God's word, I know that I am walking in his way and that I shall not fall into any error or delusion. Like Peter, Luther believed the scripture is more sure. And because he trusted the scripture, he was able to confront Roman Catholicism and open the way to destroy this cult with experience of ungodliness. Talking about this, Luther said, I simply taught and preached and wrote God's word. Otherwise, I did nothing. And then, while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my Philip of Amsdorf, the word so greatly weakened the papacy that never a prince or emperor did such damage to it. Listen to what he says. He says, I did nothing. The word did it all. Beloved, like Jesus, like Peter, and like Luther, we have the word. We have the scriptures. I want you to know today that the more reliable news is not the latest news we hear from the media, but the eternal news we hear from the scripture. 
Beloved, we have the scriptures. And then, having seen that the scripture was written by eyewitnesses and that it is greater and reliable than experience, we move to our third point. The scripture comes from God. It comes from God. Peter says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. As you devote yourself to the scriptures, as you seek progress in spiritual knowledge, there's something that you must consider as a first principle. It is the most important truth. Yes, we trust the scripture even as we saw because it, is, it was written by eyewitnesses. We also obey it because it is reliable. But there is more. There is more. As you study or as you hear it being preached, consider that these are not the words of men. Peter says, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men. The scripture is not the work of men who wanted to record ancient history. The scripture is not biographies of human heroes who lived centuries ago. As Peter and Moses and others were writing, they were not writing autobiography so that future generations would read about their lives. They were not expressing their views. They were not sharing their ideas and they were definitely not presenting their thoughts. But as Peter said, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In one hand, these men faithfully and obediently wrote using their own style. Yet, they were also carried by the Holy Spirit. Being carried here gives a picture of a ship that is moved by the wind on the sea. The reality is God commanded them to write. God illuminated their minds as they were writing. And God decided what was to be included in the scripture. And the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. Exodus 34, verse 27. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. Jeremiah 30, verse 2. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablet, so he may run who reads it. Habakkuk 2, verse 2. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. Revelation 1, verse 19. As we see, the scripture comes from God. It is the word of God. Sometimes the writers were not even writing things they were comfortable sharing. They wrote things that showed their failures and things that were embarrassing. In Numbers 20, we see Moses he shows his anger, an anger that led to an arrogance. In process, he dishonored God's name. As a result, Moses didn't even enter Canaan, the very place he was trying to lead people to. Isaiah wrote about how he walked naked and barefoot for three years. Hosea wrote about, if you, if you think about it, this I think this is the most embarrassing one. Hosea wrote about how he married Gomer, a prostitute who left him and went back to her old ways. Hosea went back and paid money. He paid money to redeem his wife, Gomer, begging her not to leave him for another man again. Now, if you think about this, these are all failures and embarrassing things that you will rarely share with your friend. 
Definitely not with the entire world. But these things are on the scriptures because these are not the feelings of men. It was not about how they felt, but it was God who commanded them to write whatever he saw fit. It is God who chose what to include. This is his word. In scripture, we see people who are considered weak. We see people who are despised, yet they went on to achieve greater things. Think of Jeremiah, who was young, yet he had to face hostile people for the entire period of his ministry. Think of Stephen, whom, according to the record that we have, he only preached once and he was killed. Think of Jesus' disciples, including Peter, how they suffered persecution. They were persecuted all their lives. For an ordinary person looking at this, he might think all the ministry of these guys was simply a failure. Maybe someone can say these weak men failed and they were killed. They didn't really see the fruits of their ministry. But brothers and sisters, even though these men died many centuries ago without really seeing the fruits of their works, more than a thousand years later, the gospel is still preached. The gospel is still saving people. The gospel is still sanctifying people. Because of the works of this man. Because in reality, it was not their message. It was God's message. Though these people did not even see the fruit of their labor, God, the author of the message, sees the fruit of their labor. This is the first principle that Peter wants us to see. This is the first principle that Peter wants people to consider. That the scripture is the word of God. Men, as well, writing there, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Even after saving them, after he had set them apart for himself. Think about this. God did not let the men write the scripture on their own terms. With all the kind of experiences they had, God did not let them decide what to write. If these men, with all their experience, wrote the scripture by themselves, they would have written the truth, yes, but it would be an inspired truth. It would be an uninspired truth, rather, or a non-God-breathed truth. So, what makes scripture special is not just that it is truth, but that it is an inspired truth. A truth that brings not only information, but a truth that also brings transformation. A truth that brings not only wisdom, but freedom. A truth that points us to the cross. Everyone saw Jesus. Sorry, rather, not everyone saw Jesus, but everyone who wrote was led by the Holy Spirit. Everyone who wrote the scripture was led by the Holy Spirit because this is God's will. This is God's will. The writer of Hebrews attributes Psalm 95 to the Holy Spirit. In Hebrews 3, verse 7, he said, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, then he quoted Psalm 95. Again, in Hebrews 10, he attributes the words of Jeremiah to the Holy Spirit. This shows that the writer of Hebrews was in agreement with Peter that this is the word of God. Beloved, we have the word that comes from God. God himself is the one who authored this word. So, I want you to know today that God still speaks to us. God speaks to us. You just have to follow these three special steps. One, take your Bible. Two, open it. And three, read it. Then you will hear God speaking to you. And as he speaks, notice what the writer of Hebrews says. 
He does not say the Holy Spirit said, even though he is talking about the past events. Instead, he says, the Holy Spirit says. This tells us that the Holy Spirit did not just previously speak to the people of the past, but he continually speaks to us. As we read the scripture, God speaks to us because this is his word. This is God's word. The scripture, or to make it clear, the Bible does not just contain some words from God, but it is indeed the word of God. Brothers and sisters, you have a word written by eyewitness. Trust it. You have a word that is greater than experience. Pursue it. You have a word that comes from God. Obey it. As I close, I want to quote the words of Philip Henry. He said, Conversion turns us to the word of God as our touchstone to examine ourselves, as our mirror to dress by, as our rule to walk and walk by, as our water to wash us, as our fire to warm us, as our food to nourish us, as our sword to fight us, as our counselor in all our doubts, as our friend to comfort us, as our heritage to enrich us. Let's pray. Great God and King, thank you for giving us your word. Your word is light and your word is truth. Help us to treasure it and to submit to your word always. Lord, without your spirit opening our eyes and illuminating our hearts, we know that we will never really follow the teaching of your word. We pray, therefore, Lord, that you may instill in us a desire to study your word and a desire to obey it. You are exalted, Lord, and we thank you for speaking to us through your word. We pray this in the wonderful name of our glorious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.